part of a reason why we are religious and spiritual is because of the pain inflicted on us by society that makes us seek answers and it makes us run to a higher power it makes us run to god Our second guest is Anuma Azua, a Nigerian academic, writer, lesbian activist, and professor of writing at Wiregrass, Georgia Technical College. Her research and activism focuses on lesbian, gay, bisexual, and transgender rights in Nigeria. She'll be discussing her experiences growing up in Nigeria as a queer Nigerian woman and how she found her voice as one of the first Nigerian scholars to introduce LGBTQ plus issues into Nigerian literary scholarship. Thank you so much for being here with us. Thank you for having me. As someone that has multiple intersecting identities um, and has faced oppression, and obviously you've been self-determined and tried to resist, how did your spirituality help you resist patriarchy and queer antagonism that you faced in your life? Um, I became very spiritual or religious early because I think that being rejected or being judged or condemned uh, led me to withdraw. It's a kind of withdrawal that made me more uh, meditative, more questioning and more uh, inclined to call on to a higher power for help. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's, it's, it's my faith is a space that has always been a sanctuary for me because even while the world around me is failing, I always hold on to God. I hold on to Christ because that is where I find unconditional love. Mm-hmm. You know, so yes, my faith has been the major factor that has seen me survive a lot of uh, turmoil and a lot of uh, conflict and a lot of uh, antagonism. You know, so um, I value that a lot. And I te- tell people, like some of the younger people that, that I mentor, you know, there's, I'm not a superhuman being. No, I'm very vulnerable. I'm weak. I cry, mm-hmm. you know, but at the end of the day, I hold on to my beliefs that there's a God, you know, there's this higher power that always holds me high. And I go back to that same force to refuel as I come out to face the world and what I may encounter. Thank you. That's so profound. Thank you. What do you think has been the impact? of British and Arab colonialism on understandings of gender and sexual diversity among your ethnic group, the Igbo people, who make up a segment of modern-day Nigeria? I think that British colonialism has done major damage to our understanding of uh, our culture and the context of sexuality and gender expression. And... uh, A very clear example is a sodomy law that was introduced by the British. Uh, Ironically, um, a lot of Nigerian policies are anti-same-sex marriage. And I say ironically because Igbo culture, for instance, recognizing same-sex, recognizes same-sex marriage. So yes. Can you tell us us a little bit more about how Igbo culture recognizes um, same-sex marriage? 
Well, yeah. Um, in uh, Delta Ebo, for instance, mm -hmm. a woman gets to a point where she's no longer gendered and could be seen as a man, in fact, depending on the situation. And such a woman who is a chief uh, could take a wife. In Anambra, on the other hand, there are women who marry women either because their fathers do not have sons. So they're more or less there to uh, sustain that lineage. Or a father may not have somebody to keep what is called Obi, Obi like the compound. It's also like a lineage then a daughter will have to marry a woman and then have a woman uh, have kids. Hmm, so that's how that works. That's very interesting to see um, the examples of affirmation of gender and sexual diversity within Igbo culture. What do you think has been, how was that, how was it like growing up um, in a society that's been deeply informed by the British and Arab colonial encounter and has an exacerbated patriarchy that exists within um, African cultures. What was that like growing up for you? Oh, it was very tough, very difficult, very challenging. It was <laughs> a nightmare. Mm -hmm. um, because a lot of uh, the people around me, the community, were basically very religious, especially in the uh, Christian context. They were mostly Christians. And the understanding of gender is that a man has to marry a woman. You know that uh, Adam and Eve and not Steve and Anthony kind of... Uh, mm -hmm. Adam brain. and Eve, not Adam and Steve. Yeah. <laughs> so it was very difficult to navigate all that... Um, uh, all the path of towing the straight road and trying to be like everybody else. It was very difficult. So I basically remained invisible or I had to erode a lot of uh, my preferences to fit into this fabric of what I was supposed to be. Mm -hmm. The push to conformity and yeah. erasure of gender and sexual diversity in your context. What are some yeah. things that helped you find your voice as a Nigerian queer woman? Woman. Um, I, I always talk about my grandmother's affirmation really helped me because my grandmother found a space for the difference, you know, that I found in myself. And she always tell me, no, that because I'm not like everybody else, that I'm special and that uh, there's nothing wrong with me. And that in fact, traditionally there are spaces for people who are seen as uh, abnormal, that people like that tend to have uh, a higher goal, a spiritual role to play. And then there's a lot of uh, uh, positivity and affirmation in the fact that you avoid what people actually love. You know, so in her own context, that helped me because she also told me about um, the uh, Asaba river goddess, Onishe, who she told me uh, has, a, I have a lot of affinity too, because in that path, I also found 
children or people who are not necessarily uh, like everybody else. Mm-hmm. So she did, she helped me a lot. Um, unfortunately, in high school, I went to a convent school. Uh, I, I had to confront a lot of the, uh, the antagonism that uh, was seen in my grandmother's indigenous beliefs. And I talk about some of these in my memoir, where in trying to reconcile my traditional beliefs, thanks to my grandmother with the Catholic, Roman Catholic um, beliefs, I will see my, the river goddess Onishe as part of Mary, the mother of Christ. And to the Reverend sister I was talking to, that was sacrilegious you know, and that really angered me. And I tried to insist that no, they're one and the same. And she says, no, that my grandmother's river goddess is is like idol worship and not part of the hierarchy where Mary may belong, you know? So yeah, I had to deal with all that conflict, Mm -hmm. but- uh, So you mentioned antagonism first towards um, gender and sexual diversity, and then towards your grandmother's indigenous beliefs by your peers and those around you. How do you think Africans who are cisgender or heterosexual can begin to be in solidarity and be better allies? Um, I don't know how it will happen, but it would be helpful for a lot of us to know what our history is. Mm-hmm. Because the issue of uh, same gender loving uh, people or the issue of diversity in gender, gender expression or sexuality is not just known with one specific ethnic group. For instance, the Yorubas have a culture of where a man cross dresses as a woman in one of their festivals. You know, then in Northern Nigeria, for instance, there's the Dandaudi. There are men who are quite effeminate and they are accepted. They play the roles of what the society sees as the role of women, but they are men and they're accepted until Islam came. You know, the same with the Igbos until Christianity came. So if there's a way to actually uh, make us begin to look at our history and to dig up what may have been buried or pretty much obliterated, then it to be a step to, uh, appreciate gender diversity and uh, queer people, you know? So if we on our path can, for straight people especially, try to look at history, see what happened in the past before Christianity and um, Islam came, it would be a great step to accepting queer and uh, trans people in Nigeria and Africa in general. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, being visible also helps. Uh, growing up, I really didn't know uh, much of Nigerians who were queer, you know, but with time, uh, I started reading about people like Sakari Ekine and then um, Oludare Odumuye, who was known as Erelu. These were activists who were out there, you know, risking their lives and speaking up about uh, the need for LGBT lives to be acknowledged and affirmed and not be dehumanized. Mm -hmm. So visibility, yeah, really 
goes a long way to achieving that acceptance of the LGBT community. Mm -hmm. You touched on something that I think is very salient in many African cultures, as uh, particularly mine, which is the idea of Sankofa, which means go back and get it. That comes from the Akan people of Ghana. And so I think it would be safe to say that, do you think queer Nigerians and queer Africans in general, as well as gender expansive and transgender Africans have an important role um, to play in the retrieving memory that's been lost or erased or obscured by the forces of colonialism as well as patriarchy, whether it's colonial or indigenous patriarchy. Yes, yes. And I love the philosophy of Sankofa because for us to move ahead, we have to uh, uh, take note of the past and see how we can guide ourselves forward in a, a more feminine, more positive way. Because without the past, we, re we really don't know, we wouldn't know uh, if we are actually holding on to ideologies that didn't quite work with us as a people, as Africans, as Nigerians, as Ghanaians. Mm -hmm. So that philosophy is very important. And part of what I'm trying to do in my own role is to uh, collect stories of LGBT, you know, queer people and archive it and leave it for posterity's sake. And I say that because most of our uh, way of transmitting information in Africa uh, was mostly through oral uh, transmission. It wasn't, things were not really documented in text. So I think it's not late to begin to do that and to uh, try to save what we may be losing and to retrieve some of what we may have lost and keep it in textual or recording audio, any kind of a medium that'll have that uh, in place. Mm -hmm. Very important work and very necessary to change making. Yes. My next question for you is that, so we've talked about Christianity and Islam to, to a certain extent as negative forces of um, trans and queer antagonism, as we both know is rooted in patriarchy. How do you think these traditions with them, within themselves can actually be positive forces in subverting patriarchy and dismantling anti-LGBT attitudes? Um, in terms of Christianity, uh, it might just be a matter of interpretation as what you see to be Christ's expression of love and what you think could have come out of the Jewish tradition. So Christ was always about, is always about love and accepting of every and anybody. You know, so using Christianity or the Bible as a tool to perpetuate hate, to me, is not what Christ intended. One thing we need to change, we need to start talking, holding more conversations with the LGBT community who have more or less been uh, pushed away from faith because of what I call a misunderstanding or misapplication of what they think is a biblical tenet. So we need to create more affirming churches, more affirming spaces in the body of Christ, because that that's, is the intention. That is what Christ has always wanted, to bring forth the underdogs, to bring in those who you think are worthy. Because Christ does not discriminate. Christ takes in everybody. That's the ultimate gospel. Love your neighbor as yourself. So once we begin to push that and 
and emphasizing the need for affirmation and accepting all as they are, then we would have started to actually bring forth the true light of God. So it's very important. There's a way to begin to re-educate Christians, the pastors, and let them see that the ultimate tool to win souls and to bring people back to the mother, the body of Christ, is actually true love. Mm-hmm. You know, that's, that's one thing. Another thing is patriarchy is a very damaging uh, institution. Indeed. That needs to be dismantled because it holds on to this idea that the male force is superior to the female force. Mm-hmm. And I think it all has to do with insecurity, you know, as, as minimal as that may sound. But it should actually be about complementing each other. You know, there's no, it's not about superiority or inferiority. It should always be about what can you bring in and what can I bring in? So in complementing each other, male, female, I think life will be much better instead of holding on to patriarchal ideologies or agenda that is pretty much oppressive and mean and destructive. So again, creating that awareness and holding a conversation around the fact that we're the same and that our genitalia at the end of the day doesn't make us who we are mm-hmm. will be necessary. What would you say to someone who says, look at all the issues um, that people of African descent on the continent and in the diaspora face, especially with climate change inequalities, why should LGBT rights to be of importance or priority given all these issues? What would you say to that? Um, I would say that the person should look at a human as being whole. Sexuality is part of our lives. So it's almost like asking me, well, which part of your body is less important? Do we chop off your leg? You still be okay. And I say, no, I need every part of it. I need awareness for the fact that global warming is dangerous to us. I need the fact that to spread the fact that poverty is not good for anybody. I also need the fact to be known that sex and sexuality is also part of what makes every and any human being complete. Mm-hmm. You can't remove one and then think that the others are more important than than others no every part of it every part of the human anatomy determines the wholeness and completeness of a human being there's none to be diminished every aspect needs to be celebrated and acknowledged that's what i say that's that's so true i wish more people would um, internalize those realities that all these things are connected they are what are some things that give you hope for a more just and egalitarian future for transgender, gender expansive, and queer Nigerians and Africans in general? I think that um, I, always, I always talk about how social media is a very powerful tool, mm-hmm. you know, and the fact that uh, a country like Britain, for instance, has dismantled its sodomy law. Mm-hmm. Britain accepts has given, acknowledged or recognizes the right of same-sex people that they allow same-sex marriage, you know, so if that's pointed back to us, those who have inherited uh, uh, this law 
then it's one way to begin to think seriously about some of the negative aspects of colonialism that we're holding on to that we don't necessarily um, have to hold on to. You know, and then social media, again, is very helpful because it has a tendency to uh, spread news urgently and instantly around the world. And its audience is massive. So if we're talking about gender issues, you're looking at people from multiple perspectives and you begin to question why you may be the only one still holding on to um, um, ideas and concepts that, that are not necessarily progressive. It also makes you aware that sexuality is not about culture, neither is it, neither is it about um, choice. It's just a human phenomenon. Mm -hmm. So making homophobic people aware, for instance, that their sister could be gay or queer, their brother, their uncles, and that these people have been in hiding because they are not accepted. So knowledge and information, again, through social media is really very helpful. And in situations where people are um, uh, punished or uh, uh, dehumanized for what, what they are, social media has the ability to let that incident be known you know, sometimes it could go viral and then voices will speak up against such. So that gives me a lot of hope. It also gives me hope that the younger generation are able to find the means to be independent. So they may not necessarily be home with their parents who will threaten them with, oh, I won't pay your school fees because I saw you holding hands with this boy. You know, so that sense of community and that sense of building network, you know, is helping the younger generation, unlike my generation, for instance. So a young boy of 18 or 17 or 20 can actually leave home and find a space in a place like Lagos, for instance, and have community, community members assist, you know, where such a young man or woman could get a job and not have to depend on, on parents who are pretty much homophobic and who are bent on uh, creating more trauma for such a person. So things like that do give me great hope. Awesome. And it's with hope that um, we're having this conversation as well. Yes. Yes, this really helps. It's a great thing that you're doing because awareness, again, is a, is a huge contribution to uh, calming nerves and educating people and assuring them that being different is really no threat, but mm -hmm. it's just an aspect of life. Indeed. My last question for you is, we've talked a lot about hubby topics um, that can be very triggering and emotional and distressing. And so I wanted you to talk about what queer joy, queer African joy means to you. Oh, <laughs> queer African joy is embracing who I am, you know? in all its entirety, um, in spite of racism, in spite of classism, in spite of uh, 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 the negativity that may be seen uh, in uh, promoting or sharing or vocalizing the belief in my grandmother's traditional religion. You know, so all of that and all of all that I bring in you know, being a, a lesbian, Nigerian, lesbian, African in the diaspora, I bring all of that with me. So that is my queer joy, being different and celebrating that difference in the midst of everything else that has made me who I am. 
that is quite joy for me. Awesome. Thank you so much for sharing and taking time every day to speak to me today. Thank you for inviting me. You're doing a great job and I do really appreciate this platform. Thank Work. you. Awesome. No, no problem. Where can listeners find more about you? Um, you mentioned your memoir. Where can we find more information about that? Uh, my memoir, which is uh, entitled Embracing My Shadow, Growing Up Lesbian in Nigeria, is in almost all online bookstores, Amazon, Barnes & Noble. Uh, all they have to do is just Google the title, Embracing My Shadow, Growing Up Lesbian, or Google my name or Noma Azwa, and they'll find a, a places to get copies of a book. Awesome. I'll make sure to put those in the show notes. And your Thank Twitter? You, I appreciate that. Uh, my Twitter is uh, onomazwa.com. And I'm in LinkedIn as well. I'm in Facebook as well. Great. I'm sure that you'll get a lot of followers now after this podcast. Oh, thank you. I'm looking forward to that. <laughs> Have a good day. You too. Bye-bye. Bye. Think about the sufferings of the minority. Religion, culture, political norms and dogmas can never replace the identity of personality.